You are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast and a new segment that I'm calling the Purpose Filled Podcast Pop Up. You like that, Mike? <laughs> That's a lot of P's. That's a lot of P's. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's triple P. It's my version of, of PPP. Um, you guys, like, <laughs> look, uh, I don't, I, I'm super nervous about this episode. I've already told Alex and Mike uh, that. Um, definitely have the butterflies going. And it's because I'm like, I'm really stepping outside of my comfort zone with this. But the one thing that I've learned in entrepreneurship uh, is like, I mean, one well, life, like, you grow, right? You grow when you step outside of the comfort zone. Um, so like in really in light of recent events and the murder of George Floyd, uh, which has just impacted the world. Like, I mean, who, you know, a single, there the ripple effects of a single event are just absolutely, uh, incredible, um, and haunting. And I mean, there's so many words to describe it. Right. Um, so, but I wanted, you know, I wanted to discuss, I wanted to discuss it. I wanted to invite a good friend of mine onto the show. Um, and, and I want to, I want to be the, I want to be a voice, right? I want to contribute to, uh, to change. And, and so this is a platform that I believe God has given me, uh, and Michael to like really create that change. And we've already seen the impact that it's had on our community. Yes, this is a podcast that's very focused on businesses, but there's been a lot of impact on businesses through this. And, and I think we can tie, we can bring in ties of leadership and, and multiple things through this. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest. Okay. So you guys today on the show, we have former wide receiver, for the University of Florida Gators and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and now CEO of his company, Leadership Surge. He's one of the most fantastic leaders, husbands, and fathers uh, that, that I am honored to call a friend and know, um, someone that I just absolutely love very much, Mr. Alex Willis. Dude, it's so good to see you, man. Dude, it's good to see you too, man. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm I'm super excited to be here with you guys. I'm super excited to talk. Um, I was, dude, with I was you. nervous too, dude. I'm nervous too, man. <laughs> yeah. I was uh, reflecting back, you know, like it was episode four, I think. Or no, episode Super three. early. Episode three. Like you were like one of the first hey. episodes. OG. It's still, it's still, yeah, it's still OG, one of my favorite. OG, baby. Still one of my favorite episodes. So, um I want to make sure that I, I really want to frame this up for our audience. So Alex, I hope you're cool with this. I, I want to, I want to start by reading the email that I sent you. Yeah, please do. Is that all please right? That's, that's so, perfectly fine so you guys, I sent Alex an email just a couple of nights ago. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to try to make it through this without like getting emotional. Hey, I know man, me and you both uh, do me and you both. But I said, Alex, I can't get this off my mind. One of the biggest problems, in my opinion, when it comes to racism is silence. I believe that many people are just uncomfortable talking about it, and shamefully, I would put myself in that category. I naturally try to avoid something that has a chance of being confrontational. I've had a fear of possibly saying something wrong and offending someone or my good intentions being twisted by someone, etc. But damn it, enough is enough. The evil in this world must be overcome by good. 
love must suffocate hate. I'm in tears as I write this. I'm in tears because I couldn't imagine losing a friend like you if that were you pinned to that ground. I'm in tears because I'm white and I will never really be able to empathize with what my black friends have to go through. I'm in tears because I want to see communities pull together, but I'm seeing Minneapolis being torn apart right before my eyes. I feel like I'm being called to talk about it on the, in the best way that I know how, on camera and on the microphone. I have to be a voice for this community. I have to lift others in times of darkness. I have to be part of God's will to suffocate hate. I need your help. Will you do a Zoom podcast with Michael and me early this week? Your leadership is needed. My leadership is needed. I won't be a part of the silence. I love you and your beautiful family, man, more than you will ever know. Um, and so that's why we're here today, right? Yep. Um, this has been crazy is the only way, it's probably the only word I can use to describe it right now in, in more ways than one. So, um, I mean, Mike, I mean, before we really dive into questions and, and really pick Alex's mind on this, I mean, do you want to give some thoughts as to, you know, the impact it's had on you or perspectives? Yeah. I mean, you're right. It, it, it is something to be nervous about. It's, it's tough, um, for a lot of reasons. And, and like you said, you, you know, me and you both, we're, we're white. We, we don't, we don't deal with the kind of, um, you know, systemic injustice that, that we witness. Um, and, and a lot of times it means that we don't ha have the, the platform or have the, the appropriate voice to lend, you know, it's like, I could sit here and, and tell you all day what I think about what's going on, but is it really fair for me, uh, you know, not, not facing those issues to jump in and pretend like, you know, my voice should be louder than someone else's. I, I don't know. I, I'm definitely not someone of this issue aside. I'm not someone that, that easily sits back without injecting my opinion into something, whether it's a quarterback of the team that I like or whatever. Like I, it's hard for me to not get my opinion out, but when it comes to something like this, it, it's, I, I, I kind of just have to sit down and shut up and let the people that, that are hurting the most, um, tell me what they need. You know, uh, I am an ally. I do consider myself an ally. Uh, but it doesn't mean that, that I have the answers, uh, and I'm not going to pretend that I do. Um, I, I have my God given, um, brain that, that forces, uh, formulates opinions of what I see. But, but most importantly, I just, you know, I, I'm interested to hear what Alex has to say. I've reached out to friends that I've got. I, I've when, uh, reached out to, you know, we've got business owners, uh, business friends that are in Minneapolis, uh, and I'm curious what, what they need. Um, you know, so it's just, it, it's crazy because it, it, it doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't affect me. It clearly does, but it, I, I don't have that like first degree, um, impact, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but, but it still consumes me in a way that <clears throat> it's, it's tough to know what to do. Um, so, so I listen. And, that, and I'll say, Mike, that's huge, man. I mean, um, I did a, a, a video blog last night, just kind of posted talking about that. And that's one of the things that I'm working on myself, which is just, number one, working on active listening, right? Because truth be told, guys, in the days to come, we have some really challenging days ahead of us that are going to be emotionally charged, that are going to be intense. And if you don't know how to actively listen, number one, Right. Number two, be compassionate, have empathy for someone. 
may not agree with them, may not, I may be still on another side, may can't feel what you're saying. I may can't be sympathetic, but I can have empathy and compassion simply because that you're because you're a human being. And I, and if I actively listen, right, and then the, on top of that, learn how to have challenging conversations, even when I'm uncomfortable, that's when we really begin to, to, to have change move. And so we're going to just jump right in if you guys are okay with that. I mean, just yeah. boom, throw a bomb in here. So I'm super proud of you guys for, uh, and I may get emotional, man. I may cry a little bit, so I mean, I apologize <laughs> if I do, dude. So, um, because, you know, some of the things, not right, but it, it, it is what it is, right? It, it's not right, but it's life, and it's kind of how it is. And so a, a lot of the reasons these situations still exist, right? Just being honest with you guys on this call today is because white America has kept their mouth closed about it. Right. And, and so here's the challenge. Here's the, here, here's the deal. Because when I'm not affected by it, if I don't say anything, right, then it, it just kind of gets swept under the rug. Right. Because this, this truth be told, guys, what's happening. I mean, I, I tell my wife this now and, and I tell my friends this. I can only imagine what the 80s were like for African-American people where there were no cell. The only listen, guys, truth be told, the only reason we're having these kind of conversations now, we're seeing all of this is because we got technology. Technology is capturing all this stuff on film, whereas in the past, had this stuff not been on film, it's the police word against some of these African-American people. And it's a, it's a case that swept on the road. Done deal. Boom. See you later. I, I was just looking at social media the other day in Cleveland. Guys, I don't know if you saw this. In Cleveland, this is crazy. These guys served 45 years. They just let them out, I think, two weeks ago. 45 years for a crime they did not do. Three black men, right? And they got a lawsuit against them. But, guys, these guys went in prison at 20. Black men in the 70s, no video cameras to say, no, I didn't do this. These guys claim to their innocence the entire time, but that wasn't there. So now what we're seeing is only a result of this right here and people being able to have social media show it. And so now, and it's sad that I have to have proof that I did not do that, right? It's not like, you know, if you don't have proof, guys, it's going to be a problem. And so I said all that to say, I'm super proud of you guys for being where you are and having a voice because truth be told, and, and, and most people, a lot of people may get mad at me for saying this, but this is just honesty. The most powerful voice in America is the white male. No doubt about it. The rules and the laws were written by the white male. If you go back to the Constitution, which, in my opinion, we need to revisit because we are in different times. Technology upgrades, uh, computers upgrade, surgical equipment upgrades, but we're still living by a document that was written by white men who had slaves, and there's no mention of women, gays, or minorities anywhere in there, right? And, and, and so truth be told, if all of us right now were writing even laws for the country, every one of us on this call, Mike, you, uh, Colin, myself, we would keep our family in mind as we're writing this. They're like, ooh, yeah, but if a Willis ever gets arrested, mm, they get a pass. Uh, if this goes on, oh, this happens. And so th there's a natural tendency to do things for you. And so truth be told, underlying all of this is a system. And we can say whatever we want. We can, we can try to change behavior. We can try to change people. But when there's a system underlying it that is, it, is just built not for everyone, 
it's going to be a challenge. And until white men speak out about it, right, uh, it, it is going to be a challenge, truth be told. Can I tell you that for me, personally, I think in the past when I like really like look over my life, well, well one, I, I actually think I'm finally like growing into a voice like I don't think early on is like like I didn't I didn't consider myself a voice Mm -hmm. you know for the community a voice you know like I I really didn't put a label on myself uh you know as being a voice until other people started saying dude you're you're a voice for the small business community you're you know you're a voice for Gainesville like and that started happening and so I'm like trying to step more into that and like realize that okay this is this is not only something that I have a gift of doing uh, but that's like a responsibility Um, and and, you know and like when I think of you know my nerves like when it comes to stuff like this and like like I said in my email to you you know like one I think it's definitely you know you I know you are big on like psychology personality traits and that kind of thing we we know that there are people who like avoid confrontation like uh, I would say I'm in that category like I would avoid it like crazy um and then like when I was saying the stuff in terms of like offending something dude I'll tell you right now that sometimes like I like in the past I'd be nervous about calling a person black versus african-american like, like, I'm just like being real, right. you know, right. and I'm like, uh, am right. I going to, am I going to upset somebody by calling them black instead of African-American? You know what I mean? And, and so <laughs> like those kind of things, I think at least for me, they kind of, uh, get at me on the inside and it's just like, okay, well maybe it's just best if I just keep my mouth shut and stay out of the way. And, and, and what I'm realizing is that's not right either. Right. And that's the challenge that, that is very challenging guys. And, I, and I'm with you guys on that. I, I think, at the, at the, at the, the biggest point is understanding somebody's heart, right? And I think that's where active listening comes into play. That's where emotional intelligence comes into play. That's when, e- even in college, in that situation you just mentioned, African-American versus black, if you, if the person was offended by it, right? Just to say, you know, and you say, hey, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I, pop, I, hey, by no means that I mean to offend you, you know, I, I just don't know. Help, help me understand this. I, I don't know and I apologize. Right. And so more if we're more willing to take that approach. Right. I think we can make it. Let me give you guys a real story, real story here. So I'm not going to say names, but uh, uh, I went into one of our probably our major, major, major donors for UF. Right. Uh, Older gentleman, really old, probably uh, really old, really old, really, really, really old. Right. Uh, And when we went in, we went in with we went. uh, This gentleman has given tons of money, huge football fan. Uh, just great, great guy, you know, giving money in the community and in, in the black community, just everywhere, giving tons of cash, giving, right? And when we went in, we were in with uh, the president of the company, uh, the owner, uh, as well as uh, the dean of college, UF, because uh, we were talking about money and things that we could do and what, how we could raise money and do that. And so uh, this person finding out that I was a Gator, man, oh, man, you know, he was, he was excited. Man, I saw you play. It was awesome to see you play. And, just, you know, we went to, down that path there. And in the conversation, he said, you know, uh, when I was in college, the N played over at that university. And he, like, dropped the N, N-word, right, in the middle of the meeting. And, and everyone else cringed, right? They're like, like the dean, the president of the company, everybody's like, oh, my God, how's Alex going to handle this, right? And I'm like, God, what do you mean? You know, I didn't say, I, I kept going with the conversation because here's the deal. 
that gentleman did not say that to offend me. Right. I mean, I mean, some some people, because of the time period that they grew up in, what they experienced, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but had this gentleman just been calling me this out of my name repeatedly, that's a different story versus me actively listening, saying, listen, no, this this gentleman meant no ill will by saying that at this point in time. And, and so a lot of times we have to put our big boy pants on and understand where people are and then still understand the heart of people, right? And understand that. So in that situation, I was able to understand his heart. And to this day, man, that gentleman's really good friends, right? Really good friends. Uh, and, and, you know, that hasn't come up again, him saying that, but understanding that it's challenging, but sometimes you have to have tough skin and then look deeper than the behavior on the outside and look deeper and say, where's the person's heart? Where are their intentions? What's kind of going on here with that? Yeah. So I hear that. And, and my, my immediate thought is, I mean, I, I, my own voice would say, Oh, that's cool that you reacted that way that it didn't, it didn't bother you. You know, you had a very good like understanding of that person and what he meant and everything. But I also know that not everybody's like that going to react that way. And right before we pressed record, um, you talked about being tokenized and I kind of want to just go ahead and bring it up in that scenario. Yeah, because dude, let's bring what, it up. what, what I know, what I know happens sometimes is it's, Oh, well, I've got this black friend. So it means that I can say what, you know, I don't want to say, say what I want, but you know what I mean? It's mm -mm, just, mm -mm, it, mm -mm. it's, it, it gets paraded out there like that, you know, like, Oh no, I'm not racist because I have a black friend. And, right. and, and opposite that it's because one black person says this, it's, you know, as if everybody, you know, he's speaking for everybody. Right. And that's also not the case. And so what I know we're not trying to do is tokenize you, uh, but you are one voice on this podcast that we don't have to offer. Um, so I just kind of wanted to hi highlight that and let you speak to that. And, and like I said, it, for me, having that conversation that you're talking about with that donor, I'd be like, yeah, it's cool that you, you were like that because, you know, he, he didn't mean it in an offensive way and you picked up on that. So right. what's the what's the deal? But. Well, well, Mike, you're right, man. And so I have to admit that, right? I have to admit that um, my situation is different than a lot of black kids who grew up the way that I grew up, right? It, which which uh, challenges me because at one point in my life, and this, so, so since we're just being transparent on this, you know, on, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the show here, you know, dude, growing up in the hood, dude, when you make it out of the hood, I mean, literally, man, my, my house, dude, was one house down from the dope man, right? So, I mean, literally, my house is here, my mom and dad's house, Neighbors here, right there, that's the big dope man. I mean, they're in and out, gunshots, all that stuff they do. So, you know, you make it out of that kind of stuff there, dude. Truth be told, you like, I ain't going back. Why would I go back there, right? And which is another challenge that we have as far as successful African-Americans going back to help, right? Not a lot go back because, like, dude, I lived a rough childhood. I know what that's like. Uh-uh, I made it out right? I'm upper middle class or upper class. And I'm like, good, right? And so uh, my mom really showed me a lesson, guys, which was, as I get older now, I'm like, man, this is crazy. So my mom and dad did really well professionally. My mom ended up in her career being president of the community college, right? So she was running the joint, but she still stayed in that same house, right? And I'm like, why the hell are we staying in the same area, the same house, man? <laughs> What's up? Right? And so... <laughs> So, but, but my mom realized that it was a bigger message of her sending what it looks like to be a professional African-American who can be civil, who can work, who can be successful, who can go from a secretary to president, from no degree to doctoral degree, 
And kids need to see that. They need to see that. They need to see that they can do it. They need to see what looks like them. They need me to be here to reach out in the neighborhood when they need food or when they need something for me to be able to do that. And so uh, that has really, you know, been in the last several years kind of my focus, right, saying, listen, that's why I moved to Chicago, to say how do we get more inner city kids into the trades, right, which is a tough area right there in itself because the trades are primarily white. Right. When you talk about, you know, construction and, and that's a, an environment that uh, isn't so welcoming uh, to emotional intelligence, to ideas, to, you know, to, to making people feel inclusive. And so that definitely is another challenge there. But uh, me seeing my privilege, Mike, has challenged me in a way that sometimes I feel bad about it. Right. Similar to you guys. So, so here's the challenge. The reason a lot of white people feel difficult is because. For me to have empathy or compassion for somebody else, I have to realize, one, on a subconscious level, I am privileged in some way, shape, or form, which is tough for me to say, listen, wait, ooh, because of my skin, because of the parents I was born to, because of a lot of things that I had no control over, I'm privileged, right? I tell people that all the time. I could have been born to some to, to parents on crack. I wasn't. I didn't have a choice in that, though, right? So, so the fact that I had good parents, a mom and a dad in the hood, is a privilege that I had nothing to do that reared me the way I am, but I can't take blame or I can't take credit for that, right? And so, therefore, it's difficult sometimes when you have to make those statements um, of having that privilege and someone else not having that privilege, right? And so that's why sometimes I shy away from it now I'm trying to say, you know what, dude, yep, you were privileged and you are, but at the same time, you know, you can still go back and help and, and, and have a voice for those who may not be as privileged as you are. Does that make sense, Mike? Tough for me. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it does. Um, yeah, it does. It makes a lot of sense. It's just, it, I don't It's just, like I said, it's one of those, it's just, I, I, sh- I shut up and listen. It's interesting because I, you know, it's, there's just so many, there's so many voices. There's you and you're the only one that has your story. And, and there's people, um, you know, that, that obviously have, have had a much tougher go of it. People that have had a tougher go of it. People that didn't even have as tough of a go as you might've had. Um, and they all have different, empo- uh, different voices and not one of them is, you know, more or less important. And I think that that's important to know, important to highlight is, is it still, you know, one person's perspective, but it's also every voice has a seat at the table. Right. Well, well, can I challenge you a little bit on that, Mike? Yeah, please. So, so I think I think every voice has to see the table um, sometimes, right? So, so, and this is just me being one hundred, guys. Y'all wanted the real Alex. I'm giving you the real, real <laughs> Alex right now, right? All I want, man. So, you know, when you talk about the, the disparity in America and the challenges in America, right? Even for for Alex. So, so here's here's one thing that you know underlying black people think about, right? In order for you to hit major levels of success in business, right, as a black male, you need a white male to co-sign on you somewhere in your life to get to that next level. It ain't right. But to say you can do it by yourself, most times, guys, it's tough. It's challenging to do it by yourself. I tell a lot of people, we've hit crazy numbers in business, but you better believe I have a lot of white influential men in my life who have co-signed on Alex. Guys, I walk around the construction convention like I'm like I own the joint. 
Why? Not because, you know, uh, my personality was so great in the beginning. No, it was because of who co-signed on me saying, no, hey, that's my guy. This guy right here, hey, he's with me. He's my guy. I'm bringing him to the table. Y'all want to listen to this guy. And all of a sudden, because that guy co-signed on Alex, now all of a sudden everybody in white America accepts Alex, right? And it's like, oh, bring him in. But had I just been an average guy off the street, right, without that kind of connection, I wouldn't be in, I, I wouldn't have the voice that I have in construction that I have now. Just being totally transparent with you guys. And that's why I was saying a lot of times the great voice or the strong voice in America is the white male. And, and if you get a white male behind your story or say, hey, no, guys, listen, nope, this is wrong. This is wrong. We got to do this. We're going this route here. You got to do that. It ain't right. It's not the way it should be, but it's the society that we live in. And therefore, that's why I'm saying, even in my, I, I just went back to school, guys, recently for uh, certification in diversity and, and inclusion, right? Uh, to, to get better at that, see, how do you do that on a global scale? And, you know, we talk about that as global best practices. The problem with diversity and inclusion is you're leaving the most powerful person in the room out, the white male. You got a bunch of people who care about the cause, and that's cool. Right? You got a bunch of people who want to rally, and that's cool, but the people who can get done ain't in the room most of the time and ain't having those calls because you don't invite them in. Right, So, so, so truth be told, a lot of times the white male is excluded out of diversity conversations. One, because they feel uncomfortable. Two, because people are like, oh, why should we bring them in? No, you, dude, you need allies. You, you need allies. You need friends. You need sponsors. You need champions who have a voice who are connected to this person, to that person, to this person, if you're going to get this ball rolling forward, right? So, so you can understand that when you look at what some of the greats did, Dr. King and a lot of people do, they did not do it with an all-black movement. No. It was because white America strongly backed them, right, and, and who they were. Hell, uh, our president, what, 44? It wasn't black people that got him in office. Just being honest with you. Why? Because he had a strong white following that supported him and believed in his message, right? And as a result of that, you know, that, that pushed in. And so, therefore, even when we talk about issues like this, guys, please understand that this, 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 this Floyd issue, if only black people were talking about it. Right. You know, I mean, let, let, let's be honest. Let's go back to, to, to Ahmad, the Ahmad issue. Guys, that issue, you know, because I don't watch the news that much, and I, I, I'm not a TV guy or really a whole bunch on social, just kind of scrolling, checking out. I did, I, when I saw that, I thought that had happened, like, last week, right? Not realizing, like, that was, like, months ago. Right. Right? And it wasn't until, truth be told, a lot of white America got behind it and saw that, and like, wait a minute, what happened? Let me see this video and then start pushing it that it got world-renowned recognition now. And so, therefore, you have to understand the voice that you have. And maybe it's not up front, Mike and Colin, right? Because it's like, hey, I, I, I don't feel, I, you know, I, I don't feel the pain to go through it. But, hey, I can be a champion for the call and say, hey, listen, no, 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 guys, this is wrong. Hey, listen, let, let, me, let, me, let me talk to a couple people. Let me see how I can help, help their story get pushed forward because this is wrong and what's being done right here. Right. No, like 
I think some of it comes with experience, right? Like, I mean, the, the more I do it, the more I'm going to be, and the more I educate myself on it, yep. the more comfortable I'm going to be speaking on it, right? So there's definitely this level of like, I just haven't put myself out there, um, but I'm willing, you know, and I'm willing and I'm like super excited that like, that I'm seeing the same thing you're seeing is that like, yeah, there's like, Hey, yeah, white America, if that's what you're calling it is like stepping up. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, like, dude, I, I, I was raised to treat everybody the, like the same way that I would treat, you know, like my, it's, it's just frustrating that we would, you know, treat anybody differently because of the color of their skin. And like, and that's like the hardest thing for me. And like the, I don't, I don't know, man, just, what, what color? it's just, it's just frustrating that it's taken this long. Um, and that it's taken this event to, to get to the point where, where we're at today. And, and I don't know, it's just, but, but, but call it, I, that, that's where we, that's, that's the challenge of, that's the challenge of the media. That's the challenge of America. Uh, because truth be told, we all do. We all judge people by the color of their skin and, 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 and different things of that nature there. Just, just, just being honest with you guys. Listen, I'm a black male. If I see someone tatted out all the way head to toe, right? Maybe gold teeth in, right? Saggy baggy pants. I'm looking twice. I'm not, I, I'm not like cool, calm, and collective. Like, huh? Okay, right? So, so if that person is walking the street, and on the other side of the street, there's a white male in a suit, right? And me being a black male, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm still, I'm like this right here myself. And, th- and that's not right to this guy. I, I don't even know this guy. This may be, this guy in the suit may be the, the killer who's trying to kill me here. But because of my stereotypes and because of my bias, I'm automatically pointing this guy out because of how the media has painted this image. Say, look, anybody that looked like that dude, that's a threat. And that's the problem. See, I was talking to a good buddy of mine today, Newell, uh, this morning, and we started talking about like just how, um, how the media has just done a a, a, a work on, on painting the black image. So, so you gotta understand that a lot of this, the threat that society feels the impact of when it comes to the black male is because of how the media demonizes the black male. Right. And so you look at a lot of the stories on TV, dude, they ain't positive when it comes to the black men now. I mean, it's bang, bang, shoot them up, kill, kill, this kind of stuff here. And just if we just do basic math, guys, I mean, on a per capita basis, white people do more crime than black people across the country. It's just more people. I mean, dude, we're 13 percent of America, 13 percent of America. So just from a crime standpoint, you cannot do more crime when the other population is 76% or better. But when you say what's glorified and what's highlighted on television, it's in those areas. And this is the kind of stuff that we tend to do because if you look at who controls the media, who controls a lot of our systems, it is older white men who make those calls. So, so therefore, when you talk about that kind of stuff and we talk about what that looks like, guys, it, it's very challenging. And, and as a result of that, we, we, can see, we, can see, we can see how this is planned out, even just with the coronavirus right now. Guys, people are scared because of the coronavirus. Why? Because of the media. Because of how the media has played it, what they've done, how they've really just, 
They make you, you know, it's it's crazy. And you think about the same thing they've done that way for years with the black male, and all of a sudden, you know, you see all these calls and things like, you know, the videos of people just making threats. Just you see, like, hey, I'm gonna call and tell them a black male, you know, is trying to attack me. And 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 for some reason, people think that's the magic button that'll get cops to come because it will, because of the image that we painted of black men. Yeah, it's frustrating. So my, my question is, how, how deeply rooted is this? Because I, as an American that went through a public school system here, you know, I, I know, I know what we learned. I know, you know, the American Civil War, the battles of slavery and stuff like that. But I also know that this isn't an American problem. Uh, even even the protests with George Floyd have spread to, to other countries. Um, I, I think about as you're talking about how the media portrays um, the black male, I'm sitting here thinking about um, how, how we portray Jesus Christ. We, we often think about him. If I say Jesus Christ, we think about this white male with flowing hair and a clean cat beard. Well, I'm here to tell you, he wasn't from Anglo background. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, but, but we portray him in the likeness that we, you know, white people want him to look like a white guy. Right. So how, how far rooted is this systemic racism? Because obviously it's like, and, and I know that's the billion dollar question, but like mm-hmm. uh, you, you, to me, it's like you can't start solving that problem until you know how widespread it is. It's not just a localized thing here in America. Oh, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. I mean, you, you can truth be told, Mike, man, it is challenging being of color in the world. Uh, just being totally transparent with you in the world, when you travel, it is a challenge. It's a challenge, it's, and it does, it goes way back. I mean, so we're talking about centuries of challenges uh, with with this problem, right? And so uh, it, it is not an overnight Band-Aid fix, truth be told, right? You are talking about years and years of suppression, years and years of mistreatment, right? Uh, even within the own African-American race, right? I mean, you look back, dude, listen, my wife and I talk about this quite often. You know, as a as a black person, you prefer to be light, fair-skinned versus dark-skinned. Why? Because you got preferential treatment just being fair-skinned, right? Uh, this goes back to working in the house versus working in the field, right? You were lighter and fair. You worked in the field, right? Dark worked in the. In, I mean, you worked in the house. Dark worked in the field. And even to this day, dude, I remember in middle school, elementary school, dude, you know, you've been a dark chocolate African-American guy, a girl, dude, you're getting roasted. Jokes and people picking on you because of the darkness of your skin. And so it just goes back to what you're talking about, that systemic problem going farther and farther back of wanting to be liked, right? Not being comfortable in my dark skin, but this, this, this subconscious of something that lighter is better. Right. And truth be told, we're all people, man. And it's not it's not lighters better, you know, but that's how our world has dictated that this 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 message over hundreds of thousands of years, man, thousands of years worth it. But within the black community, you also hear things like, you know, oh, this guy isn't black enough. And it's just stuff that I've, I've heard, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, which is tough, Mike. And so my wife and I were talking. And, and it just kind of brings me to my tear, to tears, Mike, because me, and since we're being honest on this show, right, I think the two most challenging places, people in the world, truth be told, is, uh, and, and both are both two ends of the spectrum. Number one is 
a mid, upper middle class black guy who's successful, right? Because here's the deal. I live in, I live out here in Naperville, Illinois, guys. This is white as white can get. I'm going to be honest with you. Top five school district in the world, in the country is white, baby. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, in certain neighborhoods, guys, I pull up in a certain car, people are looking at me like, who is that guy to drive that car? Or pulling me over because I'm in this neighborhood driving this car. Right? And so I've got out of area, worked my ass off, right? And now getting pulled over in my neighborhood because they're like, dude, what you doing? What you doing here? Right? And I can tell a real life situation of this that it happened. And I'll share that story a little later if we get a chance to. But so that's one side of it, right? Mike, on the flip side, if I go back and say, man, you know what, guys, uh, in these white neighborhoods, they're not treating me right. I'm just not feeling comfortable. They're talking bad to my kids. They, they you know, they, they, they just treat us wrong. I'm going back to the inner city of the hood. Guys, when I go there, they rob me, right? Because of what I have, they're like, oh, dude, robbing. Like, he, he has the latest, greatest car. He has this, this house. Let's rob him. So, dude, you're in a catch-22. Like, where the hell do I go? Right? What do I do? How, how do I do this? Even in meetings, I mean, things that mid-level to upper-middle-level class black guys have to think about. God, I have to think about what car am I going to drive to this meeting? Do I drive my nice car? Because what will the CEO say? Mm, how does black guy drive this car? Who is he? All right? Or do I drive my piece of shit? And then the guy's like, dude, this guy drives a piece of We're not doing business with him. He drives his so it's a catch-22 of how do you do that? So that's a challenge being that area, Mike, because that is saying, okay, dude, listen, I'm not black enough, <laughs> right, in certain areas. White America not accepting because because I'm too black. So it's like, dude, what the hell do I do, right? So that's the challenge. That That's that one end. The other end, guys, and truth be told, this is probably more challenging, is to be a 6'2 chocolate black dude in America. Bro, that is that is a threat to everybody walking down the street. You may be a teddy bear, nice guy, but because you are 6'2", big African-American male, all of a sudden people are afraid of you. Don't know you from date, don't know you from anybody, but because of your, your size and your skin, skin color, they're afraid of you. And that's not right, Mike, but that's, that's the challenge, right, that we face. And that's some of the stuff that, you know, doesn't go away overnight. That 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 is taught, you know. And, and here's how we know it's taught. Right now, guys, some of my my daughter's best friends are white. Dude, these little kids see each other, they hug each other, they kiss. Oh, where can I hang out with them? I want to just go see them, right? And at some point in time, guys, where does this tilt? It's something's taught at some point in time. You can put kids in the room together, and guys, this they playing. Black, white, Asian, Chinese, they don't care. They like, man, where's my buddy at? I want to see them. But at some point in time, the systems that we live in and, and, and where we are and how we're taught changes things. Right. But will that ever change? Because, like, you think about it from a parenting standpoint, um, you know, like, there's probably some African-American parents out there that are telling their children that the police are the enemy. Right. Like those conversations are probably having happening. And if they are, then like, like, does that change? Like, how do, how do we create that change, Alex? Like, how do we create the, how do you know, like that, that's, 
It's tough. Because I, 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 I know you're exactly right. Like, I know that it's taught. So, like, can you, we can't prevent it from being taught. Right. right? Well, like, Colin, here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. For three years, I did youth ministry in the inner city. So for three years of my life, I gave my life to the inner city. And this was like some of the toughest places I've ever been in, man. I mean, I will come in where kids have no groceries, dude. I, I've never seen anything like it. You know, so we're buying groceries for kids, that kind of stuff there. But Colin and Mike, when you have, so, 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 and I, and I get it, but when you have police officers who have certain beats, right? And when you have police officers who are known in those beats, like, hey man, don't mess with Officer Bill, dude. He, Man, he'll kick the shit out of you. He'll he'll beat your ass, dude. Right? That kind of stuff is like, how do you how do you how do you fend your kids against that kind of stuff, Colin? Right? So it's like, that's the challenge that some of these people who are who feel voiceless have. It's like, dude, we know this person is treating us wrong, and nobody's doing anything about it because this is the law. So so what do we do? We 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 talk about it. We try to we try to protest and we try to do something. And this person comes back even angrier and really opens up a can because they have the badge. And so that's the very, very challenge. So I think, I think number one is number one, in my opinion, we have to hold people and this is all leaders. So, so don't get me wrong. I'm not just talking cops. Anybody holding a leadership position is held to a higher standard than everybody else, simply because of the position I hold, which means under all circumstances, I have to hold my composure. Guys, listen, my employees and leadership serves, they can act a fool in different places and curse me out and just go eight. But as the leader and the CEO of the company, I have to eat that. Right. And say, you know what? I want to respond right now. Ooh, I'm emotional. I should respond right now. But you know what? That's not the leadership thing to do right here. And right now, I have to hold myself to a higher standard. So I think those at the top, we do have to hold them to a higher standard. And there has to be a standard that they're holding themselves to, as well as a brother or sisterhood that's holding them to that standard, making sure they say, listen, as a police officer, as a leader, as a government official, when you give me power, I'm exchanging my rights to respond certain ways. For, for the power that you gave me, I'm giving up my rights. I cannot act like a regular citizen because of the power that I have. And, and when we begin to see that, and not lord over power because a lot of people in those positions they look as though the people serve me versus my job is to serve the people right and that's a different mindset of lead that's flipping the paradigm from a leadership standpoint it has to start at the top Colin. if it doesn't start at the top nothing else happens and it's, it's just like leadership and organization we can train the bottom frontline level employees to be great leaders but if we don't train their managers how to do that and if we're not talking to the board and executives and the CEOs saying, hey, what's the policies, what's the procedures, what's the laws within your company that you're doing, these people at some point in time are going to get frustrated with the techniques that we're teaching them because nothing else above them works. And they're saying, yeah, Alex, Colin, Mike, I'm doing what you're telling me to do, but dude, this does not work. I'm bumping my head every single time because my manager's saying no and his manager's saying no and the policies within the company say different. Unless we really begin to handle this thing as Mike said, looking deeper, right? This is deeper than just behavior. God, you got to go to, you got you to gotta start looking at policies and laws and how things are in place. Call it a mic. Simply, dude, you can have two people do the exact same crime. God, if one black and one white, those sentences will be different. 
I know, dude, which is crazy. Understand that. I mean, how, how can one system, we both do the exact same crime. We did the exact same thing. Your sentences, guys, will be different than mine. That's the problem. That's yeah. the problem. Until you fix that kind of stuff, that that's. A, I mean, think about this, guys. And this is this is this is really eye opening to me. I was last night strolling through. Uh, I follow Young Jeezy. Uh, you know, so I was I was following uh, strolling through Young Jeezy's uh, Instagram last night. He posted probably forty pictures of African American people who have been killed by the police in the last four years. Gun down. Some convict. Some police convicted. Some police nothing. Like not held to the standard, right? And so that right there is challenging, and that right there is very frustrating when you see that kind of accountability not uh, not not being put in place. And, and that's where that's where that's where it it has to start because if it doesn't start there, nothing else will work. We can try to change behavior all we want, but it, unless laws and those kinds of things are changed and policies, guys, it's going to be challenging. Yeah. Um, I want to change directions a little bit. Um, I really want to get your thoughts on how it's been handled. Like the reactions, the, you know, what the, the communities, the, uh, you know, the, the protests, the, you know, how everybody's really kind of being coming, like coming together for this cause. And, you know, what, what is, what's going through your mind as you're watching it unfold. Um, I can tell you a little bit, like from my mind, I'm like, I I come in with a lot of confusion. I come in with like, I understand the, the hurt, like I hurt, I want justice. Uh, but then I'm confused by people building, burning down their communities. And, um, you know, so I'm just really interested in, you know, in your perspective. it's, It's tough guys. It's very tough. I mean, um, I don't agree with a lot of the things that are going on and how it's being done. That's truth be told with you guys. Uh, but I understand. I'll, I'll, I'll share why I understand. I, I love seeing the fact that we do have a united front with different colors and races coming together. Right. Uh, but like I said, some of the tech tactics and techniques I don't agree with. So, so here's the deal. You know, if you have children, you understand this, that when children don't use their words, they, 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 they react, they act out. So, so you may have a kid who, who's hitting and you're like, no, 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 don't hit. Use your words, use your words, right? And if you haven't given your child a platform to use their words, they will continue hitting until you teach them how to use their words and you're paying attention to their words. So a lot of the people in our communities, our, our deprived uh, communities that are, that are challenged have not had the education to be developed to be able to use their words, one, or their words have not been heard. When I just told you guys 40 cases in the last four years of people gunned down by the police and people saying something, your words aren't heard. You're like, dude, my words are not being heard. So the only thing I could do is, is act out. And therefore you get frustrated, you get pissed off. And so therefore you are not acting in a way where you're thinking, you're acting out. And so therefore I don't agree with it, but I understand it. And, I, and, I, and my job, as I said earlier, is to uh, actively listen, to look deeper, to have compassion for those people, um, understanding that, trying my best to stop that because that also opens up for other groups who have alternative motives, right? Uh, So I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was a gentleman in Utah 
there's a video, just just sickening video to see how people are using some of this to really push their agendas, right? So older white gentlemen in Utah, you can look it up, just put uh, Utah, Utah crossbow. But basically the guy, you know, was in the hospital and they had him on the news and he was saying, I got beat up. They pulled me out of my car. Two black males just beat me up, right? Well, somebody, thankfully for technology, right, was shooting video of the, uh, uh, of the protest. This guy's out with his crossbow shooting arrows at people, guys. Yeah, I saw and it. Crazy. The mob, it wasn't black guys, but, but a bunch of skaters and everybody else beat the crap out of the dude, right, to stop him from shooting arrows at people. But he could go on the television and say that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden now, we've given the platform to, do, to, 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 to open up that. So those kind of riots open up the platform for other people to kind of do divisive things, and it, it, it dilutes your message. This goes back, guys, to which, which is interesting because we didn't like it when he did it. This is why Colin Kaepernick was not standing up. And, and, and everybody in America, and I get, I, I get, I get frustrated by that, guys, because everybody bashed this man. They tore him up. The guy was protesting peacefully for this kind of stuff because the guy said, listen, man, there's, there's things out there that are happening in my community that I disagree with. And so, therefore, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to shoot. I'm not going to loot. But what I am going to do is understand this is not one nation for all. So I'm going I'm to sit down. I'm going to kneel. And what happened? Mostly older white men took it a whole different route. He don't like the military. He don't like our country. No, no, he wasn't saying this. He was saying that, guys, that, that our country is not for all, and we have to do some things to the injustices that are happening. And he did it peacefully. So, so had we embraced his message and not demonized him, understand that, guys, this guy, this guy was on to something. And the guy was doing something in a peaceful way highlighting what we're seeing right now. And so now when you have those kind of methods that are not working, when you have those kind of methods that go on and on forever, you get tired, Colin, right? And, and that's the difference, just being honest with you guys, between a Martin and a Malcolm, right? Martin was, hey, peace. Malcolm was like, hey, dude, we don't wait too long. By whatever means necessary, we go at it. Right. And so it, there is, when your voice isn't being heard, you do get fed up. You do get tired. You do get frustrated. You do. You don't know what to do with yourself. Right. And so therefore you do what you're seeing, which is not right. Yeah. I think that's like, what's super, what's like, I, I, again, the only thing I can do is I try to put myself in the shoes of, of others. Right. Like I, like I don't, that's the only thing that's been able to give me some perspective and try to understand conversations like this one, you know, but like, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. Like I'm straight up thinking, I'm like sitting here wondering what would I do if my community burned down my business? <laughs> like yep. you, you ain't pulling me together. I like right. that, that's not sending me as a, as a business owner of, Hey, like we really appreciate everything you've done, Colin. Like we really right. appreciate the 16 years of dedication and hard work that you, the heart and soul you poured into this community, you know? And like, and I'm just like, I'm just being real with you. Like, it's, no, I, I think you're spot on Colin. I, and I think this, but, but it goes back to that one stand that, you know, my mentor often says to me, hurt people, hurt people. Right. Right. No, you I, gotta say, hurt people, hurt people. Right. And so, um, 
I'm not saying it's right, dude. I'm, I know for me, I'll be, you know, like, what the heck, dude? What, you burn down my business. Come to what's going on here, right? And so it, it's challenging, dude, to see some of the frustration and pain that some of these people have experienced for years, right? And, and, and it's how they're acting out now. And, and I think uh, it's time for us to, to listen to them, try to hear, right, to, 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 to show empathy and try our best to have those conversations and talk with them. But that, that's the challenge, man. I mean, we've allowed this problem to happen. I'm just being honest. It's almost like, dude, this thing is, like I said, this isn't just happening just now. This, no, no, it's at a point that it, it's erupted, right? It's the kid who's quiet all the time, and all of a sudden, boom, explode, right? I mean, and you're looking at this stuff. Like I said, in the last four years, at least 40 cases that we know of, that this happens with black people, not, not, not no weapons, nothing on them, right? Not shooting at the cop, kill. And then, and then here's the crazy part that we talk about a lot in the African-American community, guys. Guys, then you got people like mass killers who kill hundreds of people and they get them out peacefully. I mean, unless the person kills themselves, most times, gentlemen, you can go back and look at all these cases. The guy who in South Carolina who killed the people in the church, dude, he, he in a vest, calm, they got him. We're like, dude, wait, 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 wait. You guys came into that situation knowing he's killing people. But he's white. And we get him down peacefully. But a gentleman on a, on a, at the corner store selling loose cigarettes, right? We, 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 put his net, we put him down. Or this other gentleman with a $20 check bounce. No gun in sight. No weapon. And we can't get them in peacefully? And so these are the frustrations, Colin. And this is why that stuff goes on. Because... When that stuff builds up over time, dude, you don't know what to do, man. And so I'm not saying it's right, right? And, mm-hmm. I, and I don't have the answer there with it. And it is frustrating. And it is almost like, hey, I'm feeling this pain. They want others to feel that pain. That's not the answer. But that is kind of to, to the point of where they, they boiled. And, and that's kind of what's going on there. Yeah. No, I like I, – is it – do you think a lot of it is simply reactionary and and like where I'm going with this is like, yeah, I like I understand it's the frustration. It's like, okay, I'm not like, I'm not being heard. We're, we're not being heard. And, and it causes the, the writing and, and this kind of stuff to happen. And then I'm like, I'm like putting myself into my own leadership vulnerabilities. And like the, you know, one of the things that I've talked about multiple times is that I've like, there's a there's just there's a lot of emotion right now right and like a lot of it you know the the best way i've been able to like relate to the riots has been like from a reactionary emotional standpoint it's like it's it's like there's so many times in business where something like something has happened over the last 16 years and i would just blow up like i would just mm-hmm. blow up i would mm-hmm. like i'm throwing batteries across the service department like and i'm not i'm not proud of it by any means like yeah it's the thing that I've worked on the most as a leader. And, and now, like now I've reached a stage where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a hothead. I'm very cool, calm, collective. I'm going to get the information very much like how I've done with a lot of this is like, I'm going to soak in as much information as I can. And then I'm going to, re- then I'm going to respond to whatever that situation is, you know, and you know how, like, I guess it's a little bit of both. Like what's your, I, I, I'm just thinking about like a lot of these riots. It seems like a lot of them did start off peacefully, right? It was like a lot of peaceful protests 
at least from my observation, Mike and Alex, you can tell me what you saw, but start off peacefully. And then there was something, there was something that sparked an emotional, uh, you know, reaction that, that led to something being shot, something being thrown, something, you know, something happening that just then, you know, the match was started and the fire broke out, you know? Well, that's the challenge. That's the challenge. That's what I was, you know, kind of alluding to earlier. That's the challenge of doing that kind of stuff. You open up to other people who have other motives. Colin, there's been several identified people that have been out in these rights to start that kind of stuff. Yeah, maybe it starts peacefully, but it's somebody who's not even a part of this whole movement of coming together, peace, keeping us together. This is a person who's divisive, who wants to divide. And so, therefore, to divide... I'm going to throw a glass bottle with fire and blow up something to get things going crazy, right? And that's the challenge that we have of trying to do this kind of stuff when you, when, when you go have mass groups of people like that, right? And not knowing if everybody's supporting the cause and kind of what's going on there, that's the problem, man. And so, you know, it is very, very challenging. I think it, a lot of it is emotional driven, right? But it goes back to, and this is where compassion and empathy comes into play. Dude, it goes back to looking at our education system. Let's just take it back. Dude, listen, if you look at inner city schools, Title I schools, dude, man, I look at our books, dude, when I went to school, we didn't have books, really. I mean, you look at the stuff that we had. So when you talk about educating me to be able to control my emotions and having a good education system to be able to train me up in a way that I can be able to do that, I don't have it. I, I, I have, I've never received that. And so if I've never received that, right, I don't know how to govern myself and I don't know how to manage my emotions, then of course, any situation that comes up, I'm going to be emotionally charged and I don't know how to deal with it because no one's ever taught me how to do that. I've never had to do that. And all I know how to do is act out. And I know that when I act out, something happens as a result of that. So I'm going to go to my go-to of what I do. It almost sounds like a case of like a lot of false perceptions in a lot of way from the standpoint of like, and we, and we do this with a lot, like we, we, you hear the words, uh, you know, a few bad seeds. You hear that all the time, right? Like, is this a case in, in pro, you know, in the protests are like, really, really we have people who like, we're all out there. We're all fighting. We're all fighting for change. We really want to see racism end. We really want you know, we need the systematic things to change. Like that's what we really want. But then there's these few bad seeds out there that are throwing that bottle. Right. And is that, that's the case with police. Like I genuinely believe that all police officers are, are not bad people. I agree. (laughs) Right. There's there's a, a group that like this group that are terrible and out like i don't like don't even start up but there there are a few bad seeds right? right and um i don't know so that that creates these these false perceptions but it feels like to me that it just like i don't know like i just feel like it creates the divide right because those oh big those, time those few those few that throw that bottle and then start the the looting and the rioting and then burn down businesses that makes everybody else look bad just like the handful oh, of bad police officicers that made the whole making the entire look force look look bad, you know. And it, and I it, totally agree. It's so tough, man, because you're right. Like you talk, you talk about social media. You know, I'm like, like is social media like the fact that it's? I look at this, the fact that these videos that these things happen are good. 
right? Like we're, we're seeing it, we're being exposed to it at the same time. But then I see like the divide and the fight and the arguments and the hate through posts to like mm-hmm. everybody's, you know, preaching their agenda and their thoughts and nobody's really listening. Everybody's just talking. And it's just like, and that gets, that gets super frustrating. And so, and like, and I see videos, you know, I'm like, all right, like a few bad seeds with the, like this, this police officer and I see the murder of George Floyd. And then I see NYPD like driving, bashing into barricades and hitting people like, dude, I'm like, I, I'm getting bombarded with so much that it's, it, I'll be honest, dude, it's like genuinely hard to, to figure out <laughs> like what is one, like, all right, what's le- like, what's legit here? Like what's, what's, what's right. What's wrong. Like, I mean, I, I, I almost feel like people are defending rioting. Like, I feel like we're going to debate like, Oh, it's okay. To, it's okay to create. It's a, it's okay to create, to do crime. That's what we're saying. Right. Like, and like there, I've had those feelings and then I hear this perspective and I'm like, okay, no, this is a few bad, this is a few bad seeds who are reacting to a situation. Something probably caused them to react that way. It like went too far, you know, and dude, I don't like, this is why. Well, this is Colin, exactly it, why I've been an emotional mess it, over it's this crazy. entire thing. Mike, you were going to say something, man. I don't want to cut y'all. Go. You were going to say something before, man. What's up? Talk to me. Yeah, it, there is so much going through my head right now, and and I'll, I'll start off by saying, if, if if I have to, that I don't condone the violence in any sort of way. But I do feel like I have a little bit of a differing opinion on the topic of how how the riots have played out. And and that's, you know, yeah, what we've seen, at least what I've seen is there are some instigations maybe with different agendas and stuff like that. I'm not I'm not speaking to that part of it. But but for for this movement uh, leading to riot, leading to looting, destruction of property, first, I'd say. And I'll get to the point eventually. But first, I say I'm glad you brought up Colin Kaepernick because that's something that actually makes me really angry. Um, it made me it made me angry during the middle of it, um, the, the hypocrisy of it. Uh, you, usually, you know, you you see you see a picture of Colin Kaepernick kneeling during a national anthem, and it's from a photographer that, oh by the way, was kneeling during the national anthem to do his job to take that photo, right? So there's already this hypocrisy in the whole thing. But yes, he's using his platform as a as a silent, you know, protest, uh, not being disrespectful, not bashing the military. He's he's just using it. And what does he do? He gets lampooned um, by by lots of people, lots of close friends of mine. Um, you know, uh, being an overpaid diva athlete that's misusing his platform and just needs to shut up, you know, and whatever. That's what he gets told, right? And it's not just him. Um, there, there are people that, that followed his lead uh, that weren't black. Megan Rapinoe is one that comes to mind that did it on her platform. Yep. Um, yep. But what, what happened is they were eventually silenced. They lost their jobs. The league stepped in or the ownership stepped in and, and silenced them. Um, but, but we, we go through this now and people say, oh, well, that's not the right way to handle things. Okay. Well, when they were trying the right way to handle things, they were getting made fun of or, or, you know, character assassinated on social media. So you don't get to have it both ways. Uh, what, what did they do? You know, when Nikes supported Colin Kaepernick, people started what burning Burning their Nikes, burning Nikes. So, so their response was destruction of property and fire, right? it's the writing is on the wall. And like you said, with Malcolm is eventually you get to a point where you've got to act. And 
and I'll just go ahead and throw it out there. And I have uh, said this on a, a couple little spats I've gotten into, but this country was founded on the same thing. The, the rhetoric when, when the when the country, you know, demanded their independence from England was no taxation without representation. That was based on the fact that the king was trying to tell them, King George III, trying to tell American colonists how to act. What did they do? They just, they destroyed property. <laughs> they threw the tea into the harbor. They said, no more. You're not going to listen to us. We've asked, we've done this nicely, but what are we going to do? No, we're going to riot in the streets and we're going to cause a scene because that's the only way to grab your attention to get this conversation talked about. And so riots, riots are one of the age old tactics in civilization to get your voice heard. So am I surprised that that's what's happening? No, not at all. It's reached that saturation point that people are demanding change and everything that we've done up until this point or haven't done up until this point has, has not moved the ball. And so that's why it's happening. Well, and Mike, you're spot on. And so, Mike, and here's the here's the crazy part about that. Just backing you up 100. What what we all know, and this is just just being honest, what the majority who run our country, right? Older white male. What what matters to them more than anything is what, gentlemen? Money. So you want their attention? Burn shit down. You you want their attention? Cause a uproar. And, and if it affects money in a system, it gets attention. It gets attention like none other. It gets way more attention than me saying, listen, hey, cops have been beating us up for 30 years. Cops have been doing this, guys. Hey, uh, Mr. Politician, please help us out. Mr. Politician, we're going to keep writing letters. We're going to keep writing letters. That doesn't get as much attention as if I affect your money stream, right? When I affect your money, it's the lights out. No, Even with Colin. No one said anything until it started affecting the NFL's money. Understand that. Colin was doing this for a long time, guys. It wasn't until owners' pockets were being affected by viewership and ticket sales that people are saying, oh, these players doing that, I'm going to stop watching this stuff. I'm going to stop doing this. And that's when white owners started stepping up because now you're affecting my pocket, right? And so it's not right, Colin, but as, as, as Mike says, man, I mean – I understand that you're saying it's not right. And, and but here's the challenge that, that a lot of these people who are feeling this. They're saying, I wrote some notes out as Mike was, was talking. When you talk about white officers doing the same crime as somebody in civilization do, and they get off over and over and over and over and over again, consecutively, not right, right? Because right. the people making the rules of that allow them to do that, right? And so when you have that kind of stuff going on, it is frustrating. It does cause you emotionally react. It does say, dude, we tried everything we can, man. We talked. We did this right here. You got people who are exhausted. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's like the word that's come up a couple times in the last couple days has been the word heavy. Everything has been really heavy. And I'm and I'm trying to make sense of I'm trying I'm trying to make sense of you know of a lot of that stuff that you guys just brought up even with Colin Kaepernick because I come I come from a military family that's like man you stand up and you salute that flag what is this guy doing you know like I, like you know I, I come from that perspective um and like right place like is that the right place for that you know to do that. And, but, you know, I see, I, I'm seeing what's happening now and I'm seeing, 
these riots and it's disappointing. And then, and then I see, you know, at the same time, I see the, what I, the way I think it should be done. Right. Like I see these police officers putting down their batons and joining these marches, um, you know, these parades, as I saw one, one, you know, police officer refer to it as like, here, like, I want to, I want to parade with you guys. Like we, we want the same change you want. And you know, and that like, like that's the way I want it to be done. Like, um, and then maybe, it's, maybe it's progress. Maybe it was this that got the attention. Maybe that never would have happened if it hadn't been for a riot. Right. Like I, like, I don't know. Like I'm, uh, I'm a mixed bag of emotions right now. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. You're right, man. I mean, I don't think a lot, a lot of times, like, like Mike said, that gets the attention. You can go all the way back to civil. I mean, the beginning, dude, that gets the attention, right? It's not right, but it does get attention. When you talk about revolution, revolts, you know, just rise, it gets people's attention. But here's the challenge, and here's why this is so difficult. This is so difficult because, guys, for this to play out right, for this to play out right, one, somebody has to give up rights and privileges to say, no, we don't want, I don't want my privilege no more. No, don't give me special treatment no more. Let's all be fair and equal. Here you go, all my rights and all my privileges with loans, with housing, with jobs, with neighborhoods, with school and education, with my kids, with your kids. I'm going to give all that in, guys, so that we can be fair and equal. Dude, that's tough. Because most isn't, people are not doing that. Isn't that the irony of the situation, though? Like, if if that you're right, that like I, I was going to pose the question almost when we first started, something came up, and it's like, can you have equality if there isn't somebody that's willing to take a step back and lose power? But at the point, at the very genesis of the point that somebody's not willing to lose power to make things equal, is it not because they realize that they don't want to be that person and that it is unequal? One hundred percent, Mike. One hundred percent. Yes, yes, Mike. Listen, and I'm not going to pose this question to you guys. I'm not going to pose this question to you guys, but I posed this question to some of my friends. Would you trade places with a black man and be black in America? Would you open and say, you know what? Hey, yeah. Hey, dude, I'll trade places. Make, t- change my skin and make me black. Most of my white friends are like, right? And the, and the simple fact of that, that hesitation, Mike says you understand that's a problem the fact yeah. that somebody having to say mm, "Ooh, that shows right there that's a problem so i totally agree with you on that mike 100 percent. and so but but here's the deal and that's why it's so difficult and challenging because you know truth be told we are all competitive in nature and we're competitive people and we don't like to give up the advantage and that's none of, that's in that's all of us Right, that, that, that's me to say, oh, I want business to be equal and everybody be fair. So I'm going to start giving up all this leadership business just so we can all be on an even playing field. The likelihood that I'm doing that, dude, not likely. <laughs> Truth be told, right? And so when it comes to this racial inequality thing, you have to be willing to do that. And, and, and truth be told, they don't want that. You know, they, they don't want that. They, they, people don't want that. So... I got I got a question and I don't know Colin if we got to wrap it up soon but I I don't want I don't want this to trivialize anything but if we could take a step back on a on a more macro approach are where are we at today is it, it you know we we talked about like this this changes are are so deeply rooted in 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 all of civilization that they're not going to be solved overnight is where we're at today just a necessary step 
and, and a, a growth, you know, a growth chart. Uh, is it, is it fair to say like, are, are we, are we better today than we were 2000 years ago? Are we, do we still have 2000 years to go? And this is just where we're at. Like, are we on track or is there anything we can do to expedite it? Or what are your thoughts on, on that? Tough man, woo, Mike! You threw the kitchen whole kitchen sink at me with that one, dude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a tough question, man. I mean, it, it, it's hard to gauge because you're just so deep into it, right? It's just so much chaos going on to say, you know, I to see the timeline to say, is that possible? I don't know. I mean, I I would say in some aspects we are better today than we were years ago, right? Simply because I mean, hey, excuse me, years ago. A, a white male would kill an African-American person, dude, or a black person, and there was nothing done. Like, it's like, dude, cover up the body, let's go, keep going, right? Whereas now, you can't, you can still do that, but, I mean, it, 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 it's coming with some repercussions now, right? We're, we're starting to talk about it. You have more people willing to say that's not right now. So I think the fact of that, and the fact of people realizing the power of their voice, right? So I think, one, uh, we are holding more people accountable because people are realizing the power of their voice. And so I think there, there's, there's this whole, um, there's several agendas kind of going on at the same time, and I think they're helping us get their mic faster. One, this social media trend, right? This social trend where everybody lives out loud. Right, because because of that, that has definitely helped uh, us fast track that. Right, so with with us doing that, a lot of the places that we are right now is because of that in itself. And so I think that right there, us realizing uh, that we are more alike than different. Right, in a lot of aspects, in a lot of different ways, maybe treated differently, but there's a lot of similarities. And as we begin to sympathize with people, and when we see people rioting together. Or, or, or protesting together, it is us coming together for a common good, right, Mike? And so I think the more we begin to do that, I haven't seen people come together like that in years, to be honest with you, man. I mean, you're talking about people coming together to stand up for a cause, and, and not only one time, because in the past, because of the lack of social, you know, you may have had the Rodney King incident, right? And that was one incident that was publicized but outside of that, there was far in between, you know, the next event that you would see people coming together. Because you have these incidents coming rapid fire, man. I mean, dude, two or three weeks ago, dude, we had like five incidents of like African-American people getting killed by police in crazy situations like boom, 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 right? And, and now you have people uniting for longer periods of time, talking about it for longer periods of time, which I think is going to help fast track us there because it isn't right where we are. It doesn't feel good where we are, but the fact of it being so heavy, like Colin said, and it not just going away, what a lot of white America wants is for it to just go away so I can go back to my nice, happy, privileged life where I don't have to deal with this right here because I don't like these emotions. I don't like having to deal with this. I don't have to talk about this. But with this stuff happening every single week, over and over and over again, you cannot, you cannot escape it now. Whereas in the past, I have white friends, guys, who we talked about the Aubrey case. They didn't want to see the film. Now, I can't see that. I want, I want to watch it. Why? This is what's going on. You, you need to see this. This is, this is the America you live in, right? And so I have a lot of white friends who are blind. And so, therefore, 
white America has been in a situation where if I don't see it, I don't have to, I, I don't have to believe it or be held responsible for it. So therefore, I'm not going to watch the news. No, 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 don't show it to me. No, 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 that can't be going on. No, these good, fine, upstanding officers would never do that, right? And so now all of a sudden, Mike, with all of this stuff happening rapid fire, like you're saying, it is forcing us to have to talk about it. And at some point in time, because the people are now at the same time forcing us to have to talk about it, and the people at the same time are realizing the voice that they have, be it rioting, be it protesting, be it whatever, realize that I have a voice. No, I, if we go on a social media campaign and post Aubrey's picture and talk about it like crazy, they gonna have to talk about it. The more that kind of stuff happens, it does fast track us to make sure we have the right people in office. And, and my wife and I was talking about this yesterday, with everything in high, a high alert right now, and as crazy as it is, even the bad apples that Colin talked about, they have to be really careful with what their ass do right now. I can be a dirty cop or I can be a dirty judge right now. And dude, I, you are walking on. You better lay low. You better lay low, Mike. You better lay low. And, and, and so that, that alone helps us push the ball forward because like, dude, you can't, you can't throw your power around right now, right? Because you do that if you want to. Somebody is going to expose that right now at this point in time. And, and really blow that out of the water. Will it ever? Will we ever get rid of it? No, right? It'll always be there, but I think we can minimize it and we can try our best to put things in the right perspective and in the right direction. And what's going on right now, I think is going to help us get there much faster. It's been good, man. We, got, we do gotta wrap it up, man. We definitely went long, um, but I'm glad we did. There's, this is a very important subject to talk about, but I have one, I have one final question. And it's really like, what you have two daughters, right? How old are they? 11 and seven, 11, 11 and seven, dude. Um, you know, I've got two boys, 10 and six. Um, what are you telling them? Tough, man. I'll be honest, man. Right now they have not seen the news. Um, we had a conversation about it starting last night. I was up at 12 o'clock and my daughters were up late and they heard, caught wind or something like, why are all those people down there in Chicago riding? What's going on, dad? And I'll be honest, guys, I wasn't ready to have that conversation, right? So uh, I haven't had it. I haven't had that conversation yet with them. That's a challenging conversation to have because now it's going to be a lot of questions into the, well, why would they do that? Well, why would they do this? And like you were saying earlier, I don't want uh, the lack of trust when it comes to police officers, right? Because, you know, that's the, this is at the age where police officers come to school and, you know, this is officer friendly and your kids are, this is who they can trust and believe, in, right? So okay. how do you have those conversations, man, with, with African-American kids at this age? I don't know, Carl. I'm, I'm praying about it now, to be honest with you, man. I'm thinking about it because it is a conversation I do have to have because even here in uh, Naperville, my wife just last night, about one in the morning, we had a, a rally at the park around the, around the corner. And we were like, well, was that for, was that, was that for Floyd? And so, like, you know, uh, which it wasn't, but uh, it was for um, our city just kind of put a statement out, you know, of, 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 um, of inclusion and diversity and, and that Naperville supports that. 
and somebody in the park up the street just wrote white pride, spray painted white pride on the back of the bathroom in big letters. I mean, it's, a, it's like a big billboard. And they just kind of spray painted white pride on it, right? And so it was the neighborhood coming together and said, dude, we don't stand for that. We're not for that. They put up like a reward money to find who did it. So little stuff like that right there, man, I, I got to have conversations with them because they're in this environment and I don't want them clueless, right? But at the same time, I don't want them afraid, right? So therefore, I, I, as a black parent, man, I don't know, dude. As a parent in general, I, I don't know. I think I think my, my challenge is greater, and I say that, Colin, no disrespect to you, right? But I think it's greater because lives are on the line, right? I mean, no offense, but Cops aren't killing white men like that. I mean, I, I look at videos of what white men do to cops. They'll get out of the car. You sh you should have. What the hell? You put me over. I mean, let a black guy do that, dude. You are like gunned down, right? And white cops. I mean, white men. You guys just challenge the cops like it's none other. Do you know who you're dealing with? Y'all you, go off on the cops, and we like, yes, sir. No, sir, Mr. Ball. I can't. You know. And so, for the sake of my kids, just safety. At some point in time, I got to address it on how to do this, what to do. But at the same time, how do I do that and still have them feel powerful and not weak, you know, or, or, or feel uh, uh, less than as a result. So I, long story short, dude, I haven't handled that conversation yet. I haven't had the, 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 the strength to be able to do it or the words to be able to handle it. Okay, so how about advice for me as a white father and what to say to my two white boys? That's tough, man. I, I think, I think. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm in the same place, dude. Like I, like yep. I, they yep. haven't seen it. They, you know, like yep. I think, I think there's a natural tendency, especially right now as it's going on is like you, you want to protect your children. I want to protect mine. I want to like keep them, keep them like away from all of the chaos. But like, we all right. know long term that that's not, that's not the right thing to do. We like maybe right. in the short term, but like, I want to have, I want to sit down with them. I want to have this, this conversation. I want to, I want to teach my children that, you know, that one of my, my, one of my best friends in the world is black and, <laughs> and you can't judge somebody because of the color of their skin. Yep. Yep. I agree, brother. I, I think, I think that lesson right there is key though, Colin, right? us talking about compassion and empathy up front with our kids. Say, listen, regardless of who it is, I don't care if they're disabled, gay, uh, 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 black, white, Indian, you know, dyslexic, can't read. Hey, no, 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 we love everybody. No, 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 no. hey, listen, no, 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 no. And, and, and it's us correcting that behavior, right? So, so if I hear my kids talking about someone, Right. It's me. Like, whoa, wait, whoa. What's going on there? No, no, no. Why, why, why would you do that? How do you think that makes that person feel? Why, why would you why would you why would you put them in that category like that? And so it's me really calling my kids to the fire, not just on racial issues. Right. Because we're talking inclusive, inclusivity all around the board. Right. I mean, right now, this is just one situation that we're that of many men, of many gays and lesbians. Man, we're talking about this, this disabled veterans. Dude, it's a bunch of issues that our country puts a blind eye to that, that are going on of people being discriminated against that need an advocate to fight for them. And this is just happens to be the, the large one that we're talking about right now that, that's out there. But I'm trying to have that compassion and empathy talk with my kids now and, and really gauge in how they're, how they're doing with including people, making people feel welcome, 
when they talk about somebody in their class who couldn't read or something of that nature, they're calling, I address that. Well, what did you do about that? What would the kids laughing? What did you do? Okay, tomorrow I want you to go back, apologize to that person, tell them you're sorry for that. Talk to the other kids when they talk about this kid. You stand up for that kid. Right. Right. And it's us showing them at this age how to be an advocate, right? Yeah. How to be an advocate for everybody. And, and, and I think we got to throw a blanket out there for everyone so that they understand it's not just what I care about. So, so that's where we get in trouble when we talk about diversity and inclusion. We, we tend to care about what's deepest and closest to our hearts. And that's where we get in trouble. No, in inclusivity is about everybody being treated equally and fairly. Even if I, even if I don't believe in gay rights, even if I don't believe, that's not my deal. But look, still, because you're a human being, dude, I got love for you, man. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna help support you and, and not allow you to be beat up or disenfranchised as a result of whatever you have or wherever you are. And that's the challenging part of us picking and choosing. I think we need to really do a broad net with our kids of not picking and choosing, but then really back then and say, okay, so, so remember that big situation we're talking about? Here, here's, here's one incident that, that I want you to see right now of that's going on right here that's one of multiple things that's going on in the world, but here's one that's going on that we're going to talk about, and that's bringing it back to what's kind of going on today. That's good. Yeah, I mean, even hearing you say a lot of that, like, makes me feel somewhat confident, and at least in some of the direction that I have been doing, because mm -hmm. definitely have the conversations. You know, it, it hasn't been, you know, talking about, you know, race by any means right, it's, it's, right. Been, it's been more of like bullying you know it's like hey right. hey like is bullying is bullying happening and happening in your school like right you know what what happens when you see somebody being like being bullied and you know my oldest is about to go into middle school and you know it's only going to get more prominent as they as they go on throughout their lives so it's like we've been having those conversations and but it's been very much the same it's like it's like son listen to me i don't care like you treat everybody with respect, everybody the same. And if you ever see anybody getting bullied, you do something about it. <laughs> like you tell yep. a teacher and if there's no teachers around, then I expect you to step in. Like yep. I expect yep. you to keep it from happening. And so we're like, we're having those, those conversations, which man, do you <laughs> think life is hard <laughs> Add parenting tough, dude. while you're doing <laughs> tough, dude. Parenting tough, is dude. like the, the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Uh, well, it's tough because they see it, right? And, and, and so now you take the stuff from the eyes of a kid who, who's innocent, who doesn't understand anything, and now you have to explain adult-like conversations right. to kids. Like, Dad, why is everybody around the country, everywhere, coming outside to do this? What's going on? That's tough. That's tough for, for a seven-year-old to fathom or even grasp, so it's t challenging. Yeah, very much so. And, like, I'll say this, like, as we start to wrap up, you know, obviously having a very uh, heavy Gainesville, Florida audience. Um, I'm, I'm really proud of the way our community has, you know, really taken action. Um, and the things that I, things that I've seen in terms of the community coming together, the March that took place, like it was, it was inspiring. The photo, like I saw, that. I cool. saw a lot of photos that people took um just really i mean you you're I, I look at them as the things that are going to be in the next history book you know and i like man like these photos these photos will live on forever and they have a ton of meaning um so, so, so anyway, i'm like but, super but, super proud of gainesville 
and I, I am as well. When I saw those pictures, man, it was awesome to see. But back to what Mike said earlier, truth be told, until we address the underlying issue, yeah, right, they'll just be pictures. Right. I mean, we 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 have you know, this is just me being totally transparent, here, guys. We have beautiful pictures that we 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 memorialize of Dr. King giving the I have a dream speech. Oh man, did you see all the people out there in Washington, DC that day? But guys, 50 some years later, same change. Right? A lot, you know, because a lot of laws have not changed, right? Because of the underlying issues that we're not diving deep in. And so we can't allow just the pictures and the people coming together and that piece there to stop there. And that's my biggest fear. My biggest fear is, okay, after this dies now, yeah, let's just say something does happen to the officers, right, there. Uh, what happens now? Is this something that's just brushed away? Like, okay, yep, we did it, guys. We handled it. You know, no, no, this is, this is, this is, we got to make sure we're, we're not uh, minimizing the problem with, 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 with Floyd, right? That that's the only issue, right? That, no, that's, that's what brought everything to, to the forefront. And now we have to continue to push and fight to say, okay, now let's get deeper and see what's going on here and really dive deep into this systematic issue, the systematic issues, and see how do we change that stuff and what is that like? And that's what we can't forget. Yeah. What should, I mean, what should Mike and I do moving forward? Dude, what you guys are doing, man, is having those conversations. It's being, it's being, it's being comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm super. And that's what. <laughs> super uncomfortable. Yeah. But most, but dude, most white male, most white, most white males aren't willing to put themselves in that situation. Why? Because that's a powerless situation. Well, I'm like even reflecting back on this hour and a half, thinking, thinking, man, like I hope I said things the right way. I'm like, I hope I didn't. You, you know, like it's. I, I, you sometimes feel like in situations like this, you gotta kind of be in the middle and try to like navigate both sides. And we live in a soundbite world, dude. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody, somebody's going to take 60 seconds and something will be taken out of complete context. And you know, you can be made out to look like a background, like a bad guy. And so then when all your intent is like, dude, I want to end racism. I want, like, I want to support my black friends and I want them to have the same rights that I do. And I don't want this privilege. Like, I don't want them to like, and dude, it's, It's what, what, I, well, I here's just, the deal. Keep, just keep having the conversation and keep right, like, and that's you know, the key right there. You gotta, not allowing them to shut you up because of that, right? Because of the sound bite, us knowing, and this is where this is where being confident in who you are has to be there, right? right. And this is why it's so tough, guys. This is why it's tough to, 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 to lead because to lead means you're willing to put yourself out there and people beat you up and you to still not stop to say, you know what. That, that I'm gonna address that. That's not the case. Here's why. Here's where that came from. Here's what I meant by that. Here's what happened, and I'm not gonna allow that to stop me from my ultimate cause. And so, understand that. Yeah, a lot of the people who are filled with hate, who want this kind of stuff to stop, they will come in and something like this and cut it up, make it seem crazy. And, and hell, I have black friends that'll probably hear some of the things that I said on here today. You sound bites on that and say, look, look at this Uncle Tom guy. What is he doing? Right? Why? Yeah. Why is he out here? bashing these white guys because that's not the way that's not the way and so therefore we have to do what we're called to do which is lead and i want you guys to continue doing what you're doing which is leading 
having those challenging conversations, being comfortable, being uncomfortable, saying, hey, I don't understand it, guys, but, I, but, I, but I'm compassionate and I'm empathetic, right? Some of the stuff I think is crazy, but I'm compassionate and I'm empathetic, right? Hey, I wouldn't want my business burned to the ground. I, 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 I kind of side with that. But at the same time, I wouldn't want my son killed in a routine pullover either. Colin, you can imagine coming home with, with Schaefer, dude, saying what? He, he did what? He was pulled over by the cops. Colin, they shot him and killed him. What? What, what do you mean? Right? And so right. that right there would put you in anger as well to kind of go through something of that nature there as well. And so putting ourselves in others' shoes right now is definitely going to be a huge, huge deal for us to be able to do that and not point fingers and not put the blame and be, be comfortable saying, I don't have the answers but I'm willing to talk about it. I don't have the answers, but I'm willing to talk about it because this isn't a problem that we can solve tonight. If it was, it wouldn't be here. I definitely don't have the answers, but I hope somebody does. And I hope that through, you know, through this, we can create those answers, you know, as, as a family and as, you know, as a human race, man, like I, I'm just super grateful that you came on and had this conversation with us, man. Like I respect the heck out of you. I love you so much. And like, you know, I'm, I knew doing something like this would really get me outside of my comfort zone. And I don't think that I did a great job to be honest. You did a phenomenal job. Uh, Dude, listen, but did, like, just, uh, just by showing it to the table is phenomenal. You and Mike, I love you guys, man. Look, I love guys, you too, man. How, many people, how many people you guys think doing this? Most people aren't being willing to be uncomfortable and put their thoughts and views out there. This is like politics and money. Uh, mm, let me be quiet on this one. Right? Yeah. And if I just be quiet, uh, maybe no one just asked me my thoughts. But you guys are really putting yourself out there, man. I'm proud of you guys for that, man. That's how change starts with you using your platform and using your voice for the disenfranchised, for those who don't have a voice. And that goes back to what I was saying in the beginning. The white male has a strong voice. Understand this, guys. It's things and places you guys can get into I cannot. Is it right? No. Is it true? Yes. And so, therefore, you guys can open the door and kick the, the, the bleep the bleep down so that other people can kind of come through. And that's you using your voice to be able to be an impact for others who may not have a voice. And this is why you get comfortable being uncomfortable and doing the things that you guys are doing because you can open that door for others who cannot. All right, Mike, we just got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, man. Well, this is, I mean, this has been, a, like I said, a learning experience for me for sure. The one thing I, the one thing that I will say is that like I, uh, and then I'll let Mike sign us off, but like I, I, I refuse to be silent. And, you know, I'm going to push myself to refuse to be silent. I always speak my mind and like, and there are plenty of things that I don't, I mean, heck, even between Mike and I, we don't agree on a lot of things. <laughs> and, but that's why I value this, this relationship and like, and our business, you know, partnership, because we're, we're always coming in with different perspectives and, and really putting each other putting ourselves in each other's shoes. And like, but at the end of the day, like all of this, all of this, like this in particular comes down to one thing. And that's like, that's, that's suffocating hate, man. Like suffocating hate. You guys, we like, we cannot, 
we cannot continue to go down the path that we've been going down on. We have to suffocate. Hey, I am one who is all about building up other people and uplifting people and, and just love, man, love, 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 like love always wins. I believe that with all my heart. Like, you know, we're like been repeating Bible verse after Bible verse in my head, you know, like do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And, you know, like, those types of things have just continued to radiate in, inside of me. And um, I don't know, man. Can I say one thing oh. on that column before we sign off, Mike? Of and, yeah. and I'm sorry, I got I got to stop you in your tracks on that dude a little bit because I think that is we look at we look at the suffocate hate as the bigger issue, right? Which is the the issue that causes so much uh, pain and hurt. But I think there's some other small there's another smaller issue that we have to also tackle which is uh, the better than issue. Yeah, I may not hate you, but mm, I don't want you to be better as equal me, with me. But I don't hate you. I don't hate you. But no, I want my privilege. I still want my rights, but, that, but, that, but I don't hate you. I, do, I don't hate you because I think there's a lot of white males who they don't hate. But at the same time, they're like, but now I'm not saying we should be on the same level. We shouldn't be equal. We shouldn't have equal opportunity now. But I don't hate. I don't hate. So I think we got to really make a clarity with that because some people say, yeah, man, I'm stomping out hate. I'm stomping out hate. And they, and they, they say there's not a hateful bone in my body, but then there is this privileged bone and there is this bone of saying, I, but I got to be a little bit better than you. So therefore, I'm not going to give you everything I have allow you to get in this situation as a result of that. So I just want to really make that clarity when we're going through it to not just go to the ultimate extreme of hate because we do have to do that. But there's something else that's there other than just hate, which is this privilege that we have to be willing to bring equality to all at the same time. Also, yeah, I, I just want to thank you, Alex, for being here with us and, and giving us your your leadership, your wisdom, your voice on this topic and, and really all topics. Um, I know uh, how much you mean to Colin and, and this is really one of our first interactions, me and you, but I, but I appreciate you uh, so much for doing this with us. Um, I'll say for me, this is a census year. We're in 2020. I think that real change starts with a government that reflects its people. Yep. Um, if, you know, if that's female male, uh, you know, if we're 52% female, 48% male, that's what our government should look like. Black, white, down the board, the government should reflect the people. Um, and then I just want to, I want to thank God, uh, thank Colin, um, God, not Colin, let me, be, <laughs> but I want to thank Colin for, for using this platform. Thank God for filling yep. your heart, um, yep. to, to do this. Um, I didn't, I didn't ask for my voice on this topic to be heard, but I'm, I'm thankful that, that, um, God put it in Colin's heart to, to do this today. Um, I've joked with him on the side about, you know, Hey, let's, let's, liven things up a little let's talk about some of these more confrontational matters um and we've had discussions about it and have kind of stayed away from it but i'm i'm glad and i commend you colin for for using this platform to talk about this because it does matter and and i'm happy to be here and i'm proud of you for for uh doing it you know it's 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 uneasy it's nervous but i'm but i'm proud of you for doing it definitely thanks man i mean i'm sure (laughs) it's a the seat at this point right <laughs> like, I, I i'll be honest, like i've i've told mike multiple i'm like man i do not want our podcast to become just another political podcast but but you know i think i think ultimately like when we get into the scope of of why we're doing it 
right? We're doing this, especially when you start diving into Gainesville, you start diving into Gainesville, you start in the missions of connecting students to business owners, uh, attracting businesses to Gainesville and really building up and really just ultimately building up Gainesville. I mean, look, polit like politics are going to play a, a role in it. Right. Mm -hmm. And these types of issues are go like, are going to play a role in it. And so we, we can't just like ignore them. Right. We have to, right. we have to bring them, bring them to light and talk about them and discuss them. And I'm not at all going to have the answers. And that's why I hope I have more podcasts where I just come on. Like, I feel like I did a lot of listening in this episode. And so hopefully there's more of that where I'm just coming on and I'm just listening and, you know, we'll just, I'll just keep, keep pressing forward, man. But, but thank you. Thanks to both of you guys. And I'm sorry that this, like, I feel like we're going on like two hours now. So I apologize to, for, for the length of it, but you know, it's, it's important stuff. So awesome. Well, I'll just sign off and say that this is the WHOA GNV podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa, Alex, give us your best. Whoa, brother. Whoa. whoa. <laughs> <laughs> we will see you later, everybody. Bye. Bye.